Music, news, entertainment. It's all right here. This is The Kelly Alexander Show. Hey, it's Kelly, and this week we chat with Juno Award-winning reporting artist Jan Arden talking about her hit TV show on CTV called Jan. Our music editor Sharon Hyland is here to discuss the American Music Award nominations and how award shows in general have been managing to cope in this very challenging year where live performances have been under very strict guidelines. We also welcome up-and-coming artist Curtis Waters, whose hit song Stunnin' has gone viral on TikTok and crossed over 300 million streams. Super excited now to welcome multi-platinum, award-winning singer, songwriter, actor, and author Jan Arden, who's launched the second season of her hit TV show called Jan on CTV. Jan, thanks so much for making time for us. Hey, my great pleasure. So season two of Jan is now underway, and I have to start by asking you about the cat fight that you had with Sarah McLaughlin because it was absolutely delicious yeah. to watch. So how did that idea even come through? I think it was Sarah's idea, honestly. I mean, she has been my nemesis. Uh, Jenica Harper, who's our showrunner, so the girl that writes the show uh, with a whole bunch of other very talented people, um, she just thought it would be really important that I had a nemesis. And she's like, Sarah McLaughlin would be great because she's just, like, so fantastic and she's known for this beautiful music. And, you know, I just... Anyway, it was such a great idea and it was sort of inferred in season one that we had had lots of problems before and didn't do so great on tour. So when we pick up in season two, I have, uh, you know, caused Sarah to be quite upset with me, making her come to my house and having a confrontation, which ends up with us wrestling on the front lawn. Which was amazing. So, yeah, it was pretty <laughs> epic. But I, Sarah, she's the one we should fight. So I blame her. <laughs> the outtakes were amazing. Yes, I mean, being able to slap her butt and give her a, you know, a wedgie was uh, a dream come true. Perfect. How involved are you, Jan, in the storyline of the show? Like, do you have the final say on how your character is going to be dealing with things on screen and how it's going to be presented to the audience? Yes, yes, pretty much. I'm, I'm in the, the writer's room from the, from the get-go, and uh, Leah Gauthier, my co-creator, Jenica and myself, we just start early days and map out storylines and things like that. So we have lots of laughs. We keep saying that we need to have a show for the stuff that doesn't make it on the show. But I'm really proud of the whole gang. It's just incredible, talented people that take these stories and just bring them to life. So I feel very grateful. Was it a uh, deliberate decision to include LGBTQ storylines on the show? And, and what has the reaction been from the audience? Because I know watching the episodes, I love how the stories are kind of seamless. Like, it's not like there's this huge emphasis like, okay, here comes a big gay scene now. It just fits into the show. Yeah, I think it just made perfect sense. I mean, I, um, you know, we wanted to normalize something that should be very normalized. We don't, uh, the storylines, it's like you said, it seems like these really natural progressions. It's not like, oh, Jan has a girlfriend or now Jan has a boyfriend. I think the fluidity of, of a main character in a mainstream network comedy is really important. I mean, you, you look at shows like Schitt's Creek, you look at so many shows that are being more, much more inclusive with LGBTQ+, plus, you know, it's, it's a much more common thing than it even was like two years ago, three years ago. So it's important to our show. I think it's important to 
have diversity and show diversity. You know, if you're a, a kid living in Churchill, Manitoba, or, you know, some remote small town and you feel so alone within your own sexuality, we're hoping that our show, and by me being very forthright and open about my own sexuality, that it does help to 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 give it, to put a real positive light on it. In preparing for our chat today, I actually read an interview that you did about the show from March of last year, so March 2019, and you had said at the time that you hoped to keep Jan in production for like five or six seasons and then hopefully uh, strike a development deal for other TV shows that would open doors for women in production. So is that 2019 plan still something that you're working towards? Absolutely. Yeah, we're, uh, I mean, we're really hoping to do six or seven seasons of the show. Season three is already written. Uh, CTV greenlit that, and we started writing that in February. So uh, we just finished those off last week, so all the episodes are with the network. And as far as developing other shows, absolutely. We're, we're looking at uh, starting a feature, starting writing on a feature um, as soon as uh, time will permit here. But yeah, we're, we're all... All, uh, everything's firing. All pistons are firing. <laughs> I love that. And why is it so important for you? Because you just seem like you're such a champion of women. And I, I think it's amazing that you're um, trying to help Canadian women in broadcasting, which is awesome. I mean, I had lots of help coming up to the ranks. I really did. I, you know, I had people that didn't help me, but they, they also ended up helping me. It, it's funny how it works, but you know, the Canada is a hotbed of comedic talent. There's so much comedy here. And this, this goes way back to SCTV days when you, you know, you saw a show in the late 70s, 80s that literally launched the careers of every single person that was on SCTV. You look at Catherine O'Hara, Eugene Levy, John Candy, Rick Moranis. I mean, everybody in that show, you know, had these went on to have these stellar careers. And I think, you know, seeing shows like Schitt's Creek now, we fast forward, here we have Eugene Levy again and his grown son having a show that historically won nine Emmy Awards for a Canadian comedy. It's absolutely unheard of. This is an exciting time for Canadian television. This is the time to get out there and put our best foot forward and show people who we are and what we're all about. And um, that's what we're excited about doing. You have so many projects on the go. So season two right now is obviously in the canon airing, but you also just recently released your, your, your hits album and other gems. And then, of course, your new memoir is on the way. Has it been challenging to juggle all of this? Because I'm not sure when Jan Arden actually sleeps. Well, it seems kind of nutty. Because of COVID, a lot of these uh, release dates got pushed forward, and they all sort of ended up all in the same bed. But I think uh, if the world had played out the way it was, the TV show would have started in March. Mm-hmm. So, and then the record would have been out six months after that, and then and then the book. So it would have it sort of my year would have looked a lot more like it normally looks. COVID, you know, changed the game. But I'm uh, I feel like I have lots of time to to do things. Um, I like the idea of having a purposeful life and doing things that I'm not necessarily great at but that I love to try and I'm not afraid of failing. So I think that's why, you know, I'm doing the things that I'm doing is that I I literally am telling you very earnestly, I'm not afraid of getting it wrong. And I think that's what you have to be willing to do, especially in the arts. You can't be precious about it. You can't be hurt if an idea doesn't fly. You can't be, you know, discouraged or, you know, head in hands going, oh, they just don't like me. And you can't do that. 
you have to pick yourself up and just keep working and going forward. Failing is all part of this. And I fail every day. By the time it's friggin' noon every day, I've, you know, I've, I've failed a half a dozen times. That's what you need to be willing to do. Is there an artist from the pop world right now that you would like to collaborate with, like a Jan Arden and Katy Perry duet, or maybe a Jan Arden featuring Cardi B? Like, is that something that we'll ever see? Well, any of those people, I'll tell you what. I mean, there's so many amazing, amazing, amazing artists out there. I think for me, you know, I, I would I would die to do something with James Taylor. I would absolutely fall over myself to do something with Bette Midler. Uh, you know, so I'm, I'm looking at singer songwriters from the seventies and the eighties, but you know, Adele, gosh, you know, I wouldn't say no to doing something with her. Billie Eilish is such a, an innovative, cool artist. There's a, um, Danish artist named Agnes Obel, who I just love more than life itself. I love Sia. Um, there's, there's, I mean, God, what an exciting time for music right now, Kelly. Oh yeah. A thousand percent. Is it true that you got credits in high school for bailing hay? Yep. (laughs) Well, it was actually a manure spreader (laughs) and I needed three credits to finish high school. And so the principal put me out. I forget what the, I forget what the last name of the farmer was. I'll remember it. I know I've got it written down somewhere, but I went, I stood on a manure spreader and I got like they credited me three credits for like agriculture or some trick. They made something up just so that I could graduate with my class. That's well, as a, as a farm kid, I really appreciate your effort. So that's awesome. <laughs> so cool. Well, yeah, it was, uh, it was, uh, it was interesting, but I'm proud. I got to graduate. Awesome. And what do you say to, to kids now, Jan, who are obviously living in strange times, things that we've never seen, and then they're trying to go through school? And I just like, I'm wondering what you, you would have to say for them, because you're, you're just so inspirational to so many of us, uh, obviously mu- musicians and artists across the, the country, but for the high school kids and the university kids who are trying to figure things out amidst COVID. You know, nothing in this world is static. Nothing stays the same, which is exactly why we find ourselves in the position of dealing with something like COVID-19, but it's not permanent. There is no permanence in it. So when people get frustrated, they must remember that slowly, ever so slowly, time will move forward. We will get our hands around this. We'll get our hearts around it, our heads around it. Um, Human beings are innovators. Human beings were built for change. That's why we're still standing here, you know, millions of years later. Because we learn how to get over obstacles. We learn how to amend our behavior. This has opened up so many opportunities for people and students of all people on the planet realize the opportunity and and the shift in our culture, in our environment, in issues that long needed a light shone on them, the care of our seniors. COVID has pointed to all the cracks in our society and where the weaknesses are, our food chain, our, you know, the treatment of animals. Like it's, it's just been, it's been mind boggling to just to see how it's directed our attention at things that really need our attention. Um, the kids, the students are the hope of the future. I know they got this. I know that 99% of kids are being mindful and, and doing their best to, to not get the virus and, and, um, 
but they, they also know that they have to get an education and they need to, to go forward bravely. So it's a tricky position and, and we got to be really mindful not to judge people or to point fingers or to do all that COVID shaming stuff. Every individual is going to have their own way of navigating this and we just have to accept that. Amidst everything that's been going on this year, something I think a lot of positive things happen for certain people. And one thing I know that happened to you earlier on in the year is that you were being chosen as an inductee into the Canadian Music Hall of Fame this year. What did that mean for you? It has been uh, one of the most special things that have ever happened in my life. And I'm not a big award person. Like, I think music and art and, and acting and film, all of that stuff so subjective. You know, you can't judge art. There's no best of. But as far as, you know, being into the, the Canadian Music Hall of Fame, it really is about time. It's about putting your time in and getting on the bus and slogging through the bars and playing the gigs and learning your craft and writing hundreds of songs. And so I really appreciate, you know, the recognition from the Academy to go, listen, I've been out there for friggin' ever. Let's uh, let's kick her in the pants and give her a statue and cheer her on. And uh, that means everything. I, I look at the people that are in the Canadian Hall of Fame, and I can't even believe that I share space in the same breath with just some of the most incredible musicians on the planet. So I'm very proud, and uh, I wish my parents would have been alive to see me, but maybe they see me somewhere. That's awesome. And I've always wanted to ask you this question. If Jan Arden was hosting a, a dinner party when, you know, things are safe, uh, who would three other artists that you would invite to the dinner? Like, who would they be? I would have James Taylor. You know what I'm going to say. <laughs> Olivia Newton-John and Blondie. Amazing. Just a, a final question for you. Do you have any message for your Montreal fans? I love Montreal more than you could ever possibly know. I have such fond memories of being at the Jazz Festival two summers ago. And uh, walking down the streets and hearing all the music. And I want everyone to know we're going to get back to it. Time is going to tick by. It's a wise healer. Uh, don't lament what was and really look forward to what is going to be. Don't lose faith. Be kind to your neighbors. You know, help each other out. And we're going to get past this. I'm very proud to be Canadian. And I absolutely love Montreal. I love Quebec. I can't wait to get back there and eat some damn poutine and, uh, you know, uh, my body weight bagels. Trust me, I'm coming. <laughs> awesome, Jan. We love you so much. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you. I appreciate it, Kelly. Look after yourself. Thank you. You too. Take care, Jan. Bye-bye. Bye. That's award-winning singer, songwriter, actor, and author Jan Arden. Season 2 of Jan is airing Mondays at 8 on CTV, and you can grab more info, ctv.ca slash Jan. The Kelly Alexander Show. Happy to welcome back to The Kelly Alexander Show, our music editor, Sharon Hyland. Hello, Sharon. Hey, Kel. How are you? Very well, thank you very much, and excited because you and I both like to chat about award shows, and I know that earlier this year, because of everything that was going on, uh... Some of the award shows were able to happen, I think, because of the award show season, um, because the pandemic situation didn't really affect us until March. But I know that there was some concern over some later awards that might have happened and were either pushed back or uh, did not happen. Um, but we just got word, I guess, a couple of months ago that the American Music Awards were going to happen. And then we've gotten the announcement that the nominations are out. So that's exciting news. Well, it's cool because they, they've really proven over the past uh, seven months-ish that um, that things can carry on, not as normal, but they can carry on, period. And they just make, you know, changes to the way they execute things. Like we've seen 
major sporting events, seasons uh, start and end. We've seen other award shows happen, and they've been really interesting. Like it, I find that there's something about the uh, the element of uh, Zoom mm-hmm. or whatever whatever video platform people are using. It really it neutralizes everybody and suddenly makes everybody available. Exactly. Agreed. Which is cool. So the way that they've done other shows that we've seen, they can totally uh, pull off a really entertaining American Music Award. So that'll be something to look forward to in November. So I will, uh, I guess what we'll do is discuss actually some of the nominations and then I want to go back to these award shows in general, just how they are handling some of the logistics and stuff and, and if you're finding them mm-hmm. as entertaining as, as maybe if the full audience was there. So with regards to the American Music Awards, um, The Weeknd and Roddy Rich are actually the two... Uh, artists that are nominated for the most nominations. They've got eight apiece, including Artist of the Year for both of them. And then Megan The Stallion uh, has five nominations. Then Taylor Swift, Lady Gaga, Justin Bieber, Doja Cat, Bad Bunny, and DaBaby are all with four. So there's a bunch of them that actually have a significant amount of nominations. And I guess, not surprisingly, The weekend did extremely well this time around. (laughs) I'm I'm proud of him uh, as a Canadian, obviously. Um... But he's very talented, mm-hmm. so I, it's, I'm, I, it's no surprise really that he would uh, do as well as he does. It's, it's, he connects, you know, a thousand percent. And what did you think? Did, were you able to listen to most of his album that came out earlier this year? Not, not all of it, but uh, a good amount of it. Um, and I love what I love about what he's doing artistically is that he commits to the character of the song that he's singing, right. You know, mm-hmm. and when he, uh, we saw him uh, perform live on Saturday Night Live. Yes. Um, and I think that that's a truth teller, too, if you're able to pull off uh, whatever level of artistic addition you put to your music on a show like Saturday Night Live, then people were wondering, what's the matter? Why doesn't he have a scar on his face? What happened? What, you know, like it was a whole, it was part of the whole presentation of what he was doing, but he does it so well that. You know, it creates a concern. <laughs> yes, exactly. And it's funny because I like I have not listened to the full album either, although uh, the station that I work for, we obviously play a bunch of them. And so um, he always seems to come out with like a sound and then goes with that with whatever album it is. Mm-hmm. But it's funny. I think overall, though, with the weekend in general, there's always a tone of melancholy with no matter what, like what song he's yeah. singing. He could probably sing Happy Birthday and it would still sound a little sad. <laughs> A little sad, so, so, but it's like his thing. But I remember once I just, I guess, like a year or two after he first hit it big. I want to say back around, like to me, it seemed like 2012. It might be a little bit earlier than that, but um, I remember somebody giving me like like his compilation album or something, and I couldn't get through all of it in one listening because I felt sad. Like I had to stop listening. So, so uh, but again, he's a he's a terrifically talented artist, and also he's turning out to be quite the humanitarian that I think a lot of people aren't realizing just the amount of um, causes that he's donating to and bringing attention to. So. Uh, good for him. And then I wanted to get your take too on uh, Taylor Swift. So she's in that batch of people uh, with Lady Gaga and Justin Bieber that all are sitting at um, four nominations each. Did you, first of all, what did you think about Folklore? Because no one thought that album was even coming. I think that, um, say what you want about Swifty. Yeah. <laughs> she, she remains uh, a solid songwriter. We've had this conversation a ton of times about Taylor Swift. She's uh a very talented songwriter mm-hmm. and she's she's like she's not a kid anymore so we can't be surprised that there would be some growth to what she's doing 
I think it's amazing. And I'm not, uh, I, I can't say that I'm surprised either way with anything anymore, <laughs> especially after this past year. Nothing mm-hmm. surprises me so much, but um, uh, you can't help but be happy for her. Yeah, really. yeah, exactly. And I'm actually really happy too for Lady Gaga because um, she decided to push back Chromatica at first, and then dis- and then you know did end up releasing it. And it's really like for the most part a, a fairly high powered dance album, which is great. Like mm-hmm. it's so great to hear this like up and you know pop dance that she put out because I think we all needed it earlier in the summer uh, with ev- yep. everything that's going on. And so. You know, she's coming off that amazing, uh, I guess, like, year or 18 months of A Star is Born, where, you know, a lot of the dramatic music was sort of being featured. But now it's kind of great to see her back um, in her pop realm. Well, what was neat also is that she organized that whole concert back kind of at the beginning of, of uh, the pandemic. Mm-hmm. That, uh, that was a global one. Something like that, yeah. Or One World. Or, one World, yeah, that makes sense. It was sense, a yeah. huge undertaking. She did it from her apartment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, oh yeah, I've also got this new album kind of thing. And so sonically, the album contrasts the good nature <laughs> or the, the quiet tone of what you can do uh, philanthropically. It makes it, you know, the opposite of that is going to the club, I think. Right. <laughs> if uh, you're not going to be philanthropic, <laughs> you're at the club. That's <laughs> um, so awesome. Do you, so here's the thing, like with regards to Megan the Stallion, um, you know, she's got five nominations and I remember bringing you the Savage remix with Beyonce and saying you have to listen yeah. to the song like months ago. Do you know more mm-hmm. about her now as time has gone on? And if so, like, what do you think about her? Well, I think she's on the list, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> and I'm looking at the list legit. She's on the list of people that I think you, you can't help but watch for. And you pegged it with her. You also pegged it with her, the artist, her. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, these are people that are making rich contributions to, um, to popular music, mm-hmm. but certainly not to be dismissed as pop music, despite what the categories that their names are in indicate, you know, not to say that pop's a dirty word. Yeah. Uh, pop means popular, but um, as a sound, it's far beyond that. Yeah, exactly. And did you see her's performance yet from Saturday Night Live? Yes, that was, uh, was it last week? It was, yeah. Mm-hmm. Or a yeah. couple weeks ago? Yes, I did. She's phenomenal. <laughs> what day is it today? I yeah, exactly. Today, so. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> she's, uh, it's crazy, like, she pl- plays, like, so many instruments, and she plays them well. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, I love that. Yeah, it's sick. Like, to see her, I've seen her kill it on the piano, I've seen her kill it on the guitar, and I'm pretty sure I've seen her kill it on the bass as well. And I'm pretty sure she plays pretty. drums. Like, she's, she plays a lot of instruments. <laughs> she's a player. Yeah, exactly. And it's funny, like, I, you know, I appreciate that she goes by the name her, but I often mm-hmm. find that she gets, like, people don't really know, like, who, like, who are they talking about? Who's her, you know? And now I think yeah. her, her star is starting to rise because I, I do believe she has five Grammys at this point. Um, and people are starting to really get to know that there is a her out there. But for a while I was yeah. worried because I'm like, it's not standing out enough, and I want people to realize what an amazing artist that we have in the R&B world, because I think it's been a while since we've had someone in R&B that is this prolific. Like, she totally is, and she's and she has fans from very high ups. like, Janet loves her, I know Jimmy Jam loves her, like, there's just so many people, like, Brandy has told me that she loves her and has been very vocal on social media, like, everyone that was sort of like a, a 90s R&B star and even earlier than that is really paying props to this young woman uh, whose real name is Gabby uh, 
just doing such an outstanding job in the R&B world. Well, it's, and it's classic R&B too. And not mm-hmm. to say that she, that it's an old stamp or anything, but it's, uh, if you were to, I think, come up with an equation as to what R&B should sound like, yeah. she's got it. And then if you put that in the box, she's like, you know, squeaking out of the corners. That's how, that's how much she's got to offer. Yeah, exactly. So now uh, to bring you back just to award shows in general, like we did mention, I think the first award show that I really saw since the pandemic um, started and they were able to sort of readjust and get it on the air was the MTV Video Music Awards. And the weekend actually performed uh, during that one. He was on the Empire State Building or whatever they did because they had... Um, oh, yeah. And so... And he had his bandage on his nose at that point too because he was still in his, in his character. Uh, were you able to watch some of that award show? Uh, that one I didn't watch. I don't recall watching that one. Mm-hmm. Um, I think... I'm trying to think of the most recent one I did watch. It wasn't... A, it must it have been the Billboard a, Music Awards. The Academy Awards, maybe. Uh, did you, but didn't what we you and I that... chat about the Billboard oh, the Music Emmys. Awards? Oh, that one too. Yep, yep. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. With Jimmy, it was, it was Jimmy Kimmel that hosted that one. Yeah, and actually, what was yeah. your thoughts on that? Because I thought he did a pretty good job, and I, I still thought his bit with Jennifer Aniston was hilarious, even though. Oh, I thought it was great. A lot of people were saying that there was um, an issue of tone because they used that fire thing in the garbage can, and then of course there was all those fires going on in California. But I'm like, how are you equating? a garbage fire to exactly I think if you get to that point your people are just looking for it and it's not surprising that after everything that the world has uh, gone through in the course of the past seven eight months that uh, they people want to channel their anger some way but yeah come on (laughs) we're trying to we're trying to make an fun for you by putting an award show together you know well exactly and for me you know because I often find like award shows for me to watch are super fun like I love watching them I love seeing artists that you might not be able to see because you're not going to get to their concert or what have you Mm -hmm. and so I thought the um going back to the MTV Video Music Awards like I was impressed because at that point you know there were so many different scenarios I think that they had to deal with because at that point they didn't know were they going to be allowed back in the Barclays Center in Brooklyn and then in the end they, they you know figured out that that wasn't going to be possible to have uh, like crowds in there so that's when they sent the artists out to perform at different venues like across um, New York City and I thought they did a great job cutting back and forth between these performances which I'm sure some of them were obviously shot in advance but they did a great job and then you know they would come back to what I which I do believe was the Barclays Center and some of those artists were actually there uh, able to accept their awards in person. So there was still like this level of, yeah, the, the crowd, the fans weren't allowed in the building, but they still made it work. And it was very visually stimulating, you know, like I thought they mm-hmm. did a great job having to adjust to something that we've never had to adjust to before. Yeah. And at the end of the day, <laughs> again, they're just, they're trying to, you know, give credit where credit is due to these people that have worked on the, their albums and, and have presented them in a, you know, at least some of the time, in a regular touring kind of way, but for the rest of the time, they're trying to make sure that people still see these or hear these albums or see these artists. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and in a new way, somewhat to, uh, to get to enjoy what they've done. That's amazing. Before I let you go, I have to ask you this question. I recently listened to a podcast with um, Linda Perry, like she was being interviewed. And so it was really interesting. I'll actually have to send you the link for it because um, I never really heard her speak at length and she was actually talking for like an hour. And Mm -hmm. one part came up that was really interesting to me is because obviously she's won basically every award going 
And she, I think, is the only female in like 16 years or something that has been nominated for producer of the year at Grammy at the Grammys. Um, I guess that happened over you know the last several years or whatever. But there's usually no female that gets um, recognized for that. Anyway, she was talking about that. She was talking about these awards, and the host was asking her, I guess, like something to the effect of, you know do you like do these awards like mean something to you basically and her take was like no they mean nothing to me <laughs> and she's like I don't even have them <laughs> up in my house and I was not shocked by that because of I think knowing a bit of who she is but like what's your take on you know artists getting awards in general like I know that for some you know for some like the Grammy Awards specifically that's a huge uh situation for artists because people that might not know about them, like for example, I never heard of Esmeralda or Esperanza Spalding (laughs) and she won best new artist. Like I was probably like seven years ago now, but like she, you know, all of a sudden like her sales went up probably like a thousand percent. I don't know the exact number, but for the Grammys, it means something, you know, for the the sales after and then for other. Yeah. So (laughs) what's your take on like awards? And do you think they, they do mean something to artists and, and should they? Cause again, I thought Linda, I, again, knowing her sort of personality, I'm not surprised that she says they don't mean anything to her and that she's more about living Mm -hmm. in the moment and all that. But I still think it's okay to pat yourself on the back to a degree. Oh, for sure. And I think, you know, as much as we say that uh, these award shows have been put on, you know, for our entertainment, that's part of it. I think that, uh, to say that the that award shows have no uh, uh, actual monetary value for the record companies that present uh, represent these artists uh, would be foolish to think that otherwise. Of course, they're uh, it's 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 all about uh, the industry and money at that point. But if they can make it entertaining mm-hmm. and 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 something that we can really enjoy to watch, that's everybody wins. Now, when it comes to should awards mean something? Well, I think if you have your uh your um yourself in check yeah you can celebrate the fact that you've you know put this art in a place where you wanted it to go and you were able to send it off to your fans they are giving you feedback that they like it so you're allowed to enjoy that moment does it define you it shouldn't because Mm -hmm. there's probably a really huge danger zone where people can get into trouble by you know kind of buying their own hype or or that kind of thing and maybe it gets in the way of their creative process that you know, the brakes come screeching after that one award season. Um, you just want to make sure, I think, that everything's in check and, and everybody has different levels of uh, of being okay with themselves. And hopefully that, uh, you know, once you pat yourself on the back, your hand doesn't get stuck there. Exactly. I agree with that. And I do hope that eventually, too, because I think there's been concern uh, specifically for the Grammys because they are the gold standard when it comes to the music industry with regards to, you know, awards and all that stuff. And I do think that there is some level, and you and I talked about that like last year and I think the year before, that um, they need to figure out ways to really uh, spread out the the nomination love. Like it shouldn't just be, even though, again, I have no problem and I love Ed Sheeran, like it shouldn't be Ed Sheeran with 19 nominations. Uh, well, yeah, exactly. I yeah. think that uh, back to the Billboard Awards specifically, um one of the things I like about the names or the titles of their categories is that it's not best. Right. It's favorite. It's right. favorite. So here are three favorites. It doesn't exclude anybody else who didn't make this particular favorites list. I like that. One other thing I did like also, if we can get specific for a moment, mm-hmm. um, that I wasn't even aware that this was a category. So I'm happy to know that favorite artist in the contemporary inspirational uh. category, Kanye West is there. Which, you know what, that's uh, that's taking a year of 
emotional roller coasterness and channeling the vibe in a place that keeps it positive. So you got to give them credit for that. Sharon Hyland, thank you for your time. Kelly, it's a pleasure. Thank you. That is our music editor, Sharon Hyland. And you can check both Sharon and myself out on the 90s Now podcast that we host together, 90snow.com. The Kelly Alexander Show. Very happy to welcome up-and-coming recording artist Curtis Waters, whose song Stunnin' has gone viral this year, racking up over 300 million streams, which is just crazy. Curtis, thanks so much for hanging out with us. That's awesome. I actually didn't know it was that much. That's great. (laughs) So that made your day a little bit? Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, very good. Here's the thing where I wanted to start. I I know that you were were born in, in Nepal and then, and then you've like lived in Germany and Canada and now you're in the States. And I'm wondering if the fact that you've had to move so much and you're only 20 years old, if that has played a part in why music is so important to you and even the sound and the type of music that you produce. The fact that I move around has made me even less inspired by geographical locations and more just being like always on the move, you know, because I've never really been like, oh, I'm a Canadian artist and I listen to Canadian music. I've always been like, you know, I listen to music on the Internet. I learned how to make music on the internet. It's really about what subcultures or scene I'm part of, you know? So I think my music is just, just completely internet. And I wanted to ask you, I know you're in North Carolina now, which is obviously warmer than Canada. Yeah. Uh, do you miss living in Canada at all or you're good? Uh, no, I mean, I miss like my childhood. Um, okay. But when I think about it, I do not want to be in the cold. I remember the snow and just being trapped inside all day for like a year. I, I don't want that. I'd rather be somewhere warm at this point. Okay, cool. And was it Calgary where yeah. you were living? Okay, okay, cool. So let's talk a little bit too about how you settled on the name Curtis Waters because I don't believe that's how like your given name, right? That's not my real name at all. My name Curtis Waters comes from Ian Curtis from Joy Division. I liked uh, the name Curtis and I liked Waters. Like I was like Frank Ocean Waters, you know? And I wanted like a name that seemed like it could be a real guy's name. Um, and also, this is kind of silly, but I thought it'd be funny because I'm like this like small little like brown kid and I thought it'd be funny <laughs> to have like old white man's name. So, <laughs> That's awesome. And what did your, uh, like, your mom think when you told her you were going to go buy Curtis Waters? Was she like good? I don't know. I think everything I do, she's always like, amused like she always just laughs at it like when I told her I'm gonna make music she was like laughing at me like she couldn't stop laughing (laughs) not in a mean way she's just like I just come up with new ideas and like just random things to do every day yeah she's just like oh okay and then sometimes it works out sometimes it doesn't so I guess Curtis Waters has worked out far beyond anybody's expectations I guess that's really cool I love that um can you explain to us how Stunning came about and did you know when you were crafting it that this was going to be something that would go like that it was going to be a hit or that was going to take I did not like this song when I made it I had no plans of ever releasing the song but I guess that's with most for some reason most of the songs that I'm like it's not a good song ends up being the one that most people like for some reason Uh, when I was making I was really just having a bad day and I was just trying to cheer myself up I was just like trying to say a bunch of silly like stupid things just wanted to make a funny song really um yeah, I didn't think much of it. And then I, it was hidden away for a few months. And then I was like, oh, I have the song. I might as well release it. Can you tell us how that process actually worked? Because I read somewhere, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, that you started releasing snippets of it on TikTok and kind of built up excitement that way. And then you dropped it. Yeah, yeah. I didn't drop it immediately. I was releasing snippets on... First, I released a snippet on Instagram. And then random people from my middle school started hitting me up that like didn't even listen to my music. They're like, yo, this song is the first song that you have made that I like. And I was like, oh, okay. Like not to be rude, but I was like, every, like the normal people will like this song, you know, like everybody's going to like this song and I can yeah. it. And I went on TikTok and I was honestly promoting it for like 
three months. Like imagine promoting a song that's not even out for three months, just teasing it over and over. And the song was already trending and it was already viral, but no one had heard the whole song. And three months later, the song came out and exploded because there was just so much hype around it already, you know? And when you were teasing it, like, did you know that you were just going to keep making people like excited for it and and hope that that was going to continue to build? Yeah, yeah. Well, I was so anxious every day. I was like, oh my God, I have to release this soon. What if it dies down and then I lose my chance or whatever? And it was also like so much stuff. Like every record label was calling me. Like it was a really big thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I had this like, felt like I had this like bomb, you know, like <laughs> everybody was like trying to get it from me. And I, it was crazy. You know, things really worked out in the best situation ever. Like just re- <coughs> regarding the hype and the signing and everything too, just how we maintained it for so long, you know? And were you doing like all of this TikTok promotion yourself or did you have some, like, did you have a manager yet that was helping you with all this? Uh, no, not yet. Um, I had a friend named Drew York who's actually in Toronto who would uh, kind of like help me out, would make memes together and stuff. Um, but I didn't have like a manager that like knew about the industry really. It was just me and my brother. We were just like, oh, Old Town Road blew up on TikTok. Oh, this song blew up on TikTok. Oh, this is what they did. This is what they did. And I would just write stuff down and I'd be like, okay, it's my time. Like, let's, let's put all our effort into blowing the song up. Like, dude, six months of just focusing on blowing a song. Like, that's insane. You know, like, that's so much wow. work. And yeah. talk to us about what it felt like when all these record labels came at you. Because I know that you chose to go another route. You didn't sign like a major record yeah. deal. I'm going to ask you about later. But what was it like having like these huge companies coming at you? It was insane because I was working at Tropical Smoothie. I have college debt. I am like a student. I'm like just a kid living at my mom's house. And, you know, like the first deal I got, I could have taken and been like, oh, my God, I'm so lucky. You know what I mean? But the more and more meetings I took, the more like frustrated I became and the more I realized everybody's here because they see like a song that's trending and they don't really care about me as an artist, maybe, you know? And uh, yeah. and I got with my manager, uh, Chris Anakute, who like is, you know, he's super well-versed in everything and he knows and he's been here for so long. So I learned a lot in that extremely anxiety-inducing few months. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, just, I had no idea about the industry. And just all of a sudden, I had to navigate this. And like, I don't know, not like a bidding war. But it was like, you know, just how do you do this when you're just a kid, you know? Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it really, it really worked out by the end. But, and I learned so much. That like, I, I don't think I could have gone to like music business school to learn this much in this short amount of time, you know? That's crazy. Now, tell us what route you decided to go. So you have like a distribution deal. Is that how it works? Um, I have a licensship deal where I actually have my own record label, Curtis Waters Inc. And I, it's just my own uh, music. But I have licensed my music to BMG for 10 years. And I'm actually a free agent after the album drops. Like, And the awesome thing is, you know, they help out, they support, but they don't really encroach on my creative decisions, which is awesome because that's how it's always been. Like I've always produced my own music. I've always mixed it, mastered it, done the artwork, done everything by myself. And I was worried that if I signed to a label that it would kind of ruin things, you know, because too many hands would get in, but it's awesome. Really. I just make music and I just send it to them and they just, you know, it's, it's really great. When you listen to Stun and Now, like, are you still good with listening to it or are you tired of it? <laughs> Oh, you know, I am like, okay, I get tired of a song as soon as it's out. (laughs) Because I'm already thinking, I'm already tired of the album and it's not even out yet. Because the thing is, I make so much music, right? And all I really listen to is music that I'm inspired by at the moment or the song. Like I made a song last night at like two in the morning and I'm listening to that nonstop, you know? Mm -hmm. And I'm going to listen to it nonstop until it makes me want to throw up. 
<laughs> and I want it like stunning has already been way past that point, but it's okay. It's awesome. Like I'm glad the world is enjoying it, but cool. I just, you know, I keep moving. I think. Talk to us about the album. So it's called pity party. And first of all, explain the title. I love the, the cover shot of it. I just think it completely matches with what you're doing. And yeah, tell us like what you want your fans and new fans to take from the album. Yeah. Um, the cover of it is me when I was 15 and I, it was like first found out I was like depressed and stuff, you know? Um, so I, I thought it was important to have that because I remember at that time I was going through so much pain and I felt like one day I need to make an album. I have to justify everything because I want people to be able to at least heal with me and like gain, I don't know, feel relatable to what I'm going through. So I wrote this album this past year when I dropped out of college and then I found out, you know, I got diagnosed with bipolar and it was just like a really time where I was like, it felt like everything went wrong and I felt like I had to write it down, you know, I, and I needed people to see. And it's awesome because it worked out. Like I, I was so worried that the vision wouldn't work out and music wouldn't work out and I'd be homeless and on the streets or whatever. And stunning blew up. Right. So now you can listen to the album and be like, wow, he went like through so much in that time, but he kept going and it actually worked out. So I think it's like such an amazing story. You know, I love that you are like, uh, really open about mental health because I think a lot more artists, it would, it would be helpful to them and to fans to know that they're not alone if they see someone that they love that's also struggling with it. So why did you decide to be so open with your situation? I just, uh, I think it's important because when I was growing up, I felt so ashamed, you know, because I didn't think anybody was successful with a condition like me. You know, I, it felt like, oh, like the only people I hear that are mentally ill are people that die, you know? And I, I just, I don't know. I, I don't want other kids to feel the way I felt. I think that's the main thing. I mean, the main thing is like, if I make music and I can help anybody feel less alone in what they're going through, I feel like I did my job, you know? And I think being honest helps with that. And have you already got messages? I'm assuming you must get tons of messages from your fans telling you that you help them. Yeah. Yeah. All the time. And what's crazy is like, the album's not even out yet, but I think people are already starting to understand what kind of music I really do make. And I love stunning, obviously, and I do make songs like that too. But, you know, most of the time, that's not really my headspace. And it means a lot to me that people really do appreciate when songs come from like a genuine place as well, you know? That's awesome. And lyrically, is your lyrics sort of matching your music or like, like, is it like, cause I know sometimes people do upbeat songs, but the lyrics are sad. Like, how does that work with you? Yeah. For me, like I'm like a producer first and I've just made like rap beats for so many years that I, it's like in my nature to make something really catchy and upbeat. And like, I didn't even know I made pop music until this year. Like I just found out what I make is pop, I guess. But um, <laughs> yeah, I guess um, there is a sort of, contrast i guess pity party right like there is the sad lyrics but most of the beats are pretty happy honestly like they you if you ignore the lyrics and you just don't know what i'm talking about you could probably dance to it and enjoy it have you been in the car yet and heard your song come on the radio yeah yeah i was uh with a few of my friends uh we were shooting a video and then uh, on the way back, Harry Styles was playing. I was like, oh, I love this uh, Watermelon Sugar song. And then right after that, my song played and everybody's like, oh my God, that's so crazy. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm super glad you had that experience because like, yeah, that's really it's crazy to, to sort of live through that. And can you talk to us a little bit about maybe some of the artists that have influenced you speaking? Like, I know you like Harry Styles' song. Is, is, is pop music somewhere where you like to take inspiration from or some more hip hop? Like, um, I don't know. I, well, growing up, I was kind of like a 
jerks. Like I was like elitist. I was like, pop music isn't real music, blah, blah, blah. Like I was really one of those guys, you know? So it's really interesting that I'm here and I'm like considered like a pop artist, you know? Um, I like catchy things. Uh, I don't know, whatever that sticks to my head. Most of the music I listen to is emo or pop punk or uh, rap for sure. A lot of pop punk actually. Is so there an artist out there right now that, that like a top 40 artist, uh, like audience would know that you'd like to collaborate with? Like, is there, is like, like a Jay-Z yeah, like or? the creator, Kanye West, um, all that kind of stuff for sure. But I don't want to collab with them yet. I feel like I want to be really good. Like I want to, you know, like my songs are blowing up right now, which is awesome, but I want to become like an amazing musician. You know, That's I, cool. I, I'm 20 years old. I got some time. <laughs> I'll really figure it out. Well, I love that you're super focused and want to get better in it. And it's, it's clearly not just like a flash in the pan for you. And I think a lot of sometimes artists that blow up on social media, it's more about the fame than the content. So yeah. I think it's, I think it's great that you like want to be a good musician and, and work through that. So like, I, I, the first thing I did once I made money from stunning is like, I went and bought a guitar and a bass and like an amp, like I'm like trying to learn everything now, you know, now that I don't have to like go make smoothies all day or like <laughs> college, like all I do is just make music and try to get better. Now, going forward through Stunning, I know the album's coming up, Pity Party. Like, do you have a, a plan of action now, how you're going to continue to sort of capitalize off of what Stunning has brought to you and then go forward? Because I, I know it's almost like not what have you done, but what is coming up? Um, yeah, I guess there are plans. I don't know. I, I, like, yeah, we're going to make like, we have videos and we might do a deluxe version. And, you know, there's a lot of stuff coming out, but um i'm not really thinking like how to maneuver stunning into this you know what i mean i actually for me personally i'm just focused on making the music i like and just releasing it and just keep keep moving i guess i'm not really i don't know all that stuff is kind of just like whatever to me <laughs> That's kinda, awesome. i just want to make music you know i like making music that's cool and uh if you had to give advice to someone who is watching this now and and sees sees what you've done in the last year or so or a couple of years um like, what would you say to them? Like, what have you learned the most, which you wish you had known maybe two or three years ago? You know, it's so cliche and it's easier said than done, but I would say just keep going. Like, do your research, figure out other kids who have done it by themselves, just like you, but, you know, pursue your dream because, you know, everybody will make it seem like, oh, you're like, I don't know. You know, so many people told me like, oh, what do you think? Like, you know, there's so many pessimistic people out there that will make you think you can't do it. Mm-hmm. I'm just like you. I'm literally just like a random dude that just kept trying to make music. Like, I don't know anything about music. I just searched it up on YouTube because I like it and I figured it out. And then I researched people that blew up and then I figured it out and I did it. You know what I mean? So I'm saying like anybody with an internet connection and a passion for wanting to make it happen can make it happen. That's cool. And actually speaking of, of the internet connection, the fact that you're in North Carolina and you've managed to have things happen where you are, like, do you think you'll ever feel the need to like move to Los Angeles or move to New uh, York or? I, I, I checked out LA. I was kind of just like, dude, everything I do is just in my room. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, I don't know. I might move to like, I want to move to Indonesia or like some random place. Like I want to actually be more hidden. I don't want to be like, more visible. There, I don't think, um, I really just want to focus on music and figure it out. And That's I think cool. with the internet, I can do it, you know? Uh, before I let you go, I did want to ask you a couple of quick questions so your fans can get to know you a little bit better. Um, what's the one thing you wish you knew how to do? Like fix a car, I don't know, like like skateboard, whatever. Like is there something you wish you knew how to do? I wish, okay, 
I actually don't consider myself like a good singer at all. Like I just I figured it out somehow. Yeah. I wish I could actually sing and be like beautifully like a strong singer. You know what I mean? Like I, I wish for that so much. That'd be amazing. I hope I can learn to be really good. Like it's just, you know, I, I just picked it up. Like I didn't know how to do any of this stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of just like, I feel like I'm like pretending sometimes. <laughs> That's all good. You're doing a great job. What's the best compliment you've gotten so far from like, maybe like a, like a, a musician or a celebrity that might've hit you up on social media? Hmm. I don't know. Most of the celebrities I talk to are pretty like, they'll just send you fire emojis. They don't really, they never message me like, oh, your core values speak to me or anything like that. They just send me fire emojis in my DMs and I'm like, I don't know what to do with this. That's super cool. If you could grab coffee with any artist or a smoothie, because I know that's where you used to work, uh, and pick some artist's brain, like who would it be and why? Uh, I'd probably want to hang out with Tyler Creator because he seems funny. I don't know, like, I don't know. It'd be fun. That's cool. Uh, if you could be in any musical super group, like you and two other artists, who would the, the two other artists be? Oh, mm, I really like Toro y Moi. Um, okay. I'm really into Toro y Moi lately. Me, Toro y Moi, and oh man, you're putting me on the spot right now. <laughs> oh, I'll put Michael Sarah. I like Michael Oh, that's Sarah. good. That's cool. It's a random answer, but I think it'd be funny. We'd have something cool. Now, I know you spend a lot of time in your room creating, um, but what's your favorite thing to do outside of work? Mm, well, in the summer, I was actually swimming at this river nearby all the time with me and my friends. I'm trying to figure out a fall activity to do, but I don't know. It doesn't feel like work. Like, I've been playing guitar a lot. Like, that doesn't feel like work. That's just like meditation. You know what okay. I mean? Okay. That's yeah. cool. That's cool. And do you have any message? I'm not sure. Do you, well, you obviously lived in Canada, so you know where Montreal is, but have you yeah. ever been to Montreal? I went, I've been to Montreal. Yeah. Montreal's oh, that's cool. cool. What, what, do you have any thoughts for your Montreal fans? Like what would you like to say to us? Um, not really. I hope you guys are doing good. <laughs> I don't have anything specific. Sorry guys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did you have a, a special thing though that you liked when you were in Montreal? Like, did you eat the poots in? Did you have like some kind of fun experience when you were in Montreal? I was only there for two days, but I think, Mac DeMarco used to live there, right? That sounds you know familiar. That sounds Mac familiar. DeMarco, yeah, Mac DeMarco is an artist. The whole time I was just thinking, oh, Mac DeMarco used to live here. That's all. I mean, I, I didn't spend that much time there. Okay, yeah. cool. And when things get sort of back to normal and we're sort of through this pandemic, like, do you plan to have a stage show and, and tour? Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, that's definitely what it looks like right now. A lot of booking agents are calling up and right, stuff. Um, yeah, I'm just in my house, like, trying to get really good before everybody wants to see me. <laughs> That's cool. Well, uh, on behalf of everyone here in Montreal that loves your song and loves you, we cannot wait for the album, and thank you so much for spending time with us. The Kelly Alexander Show. Well, thanks so much for spending time with us on the program this week. We always appreciate it, and a big thank you going out to our guests, Jan Arden and Curtis Waters. My thanks, of course, to our amazing producer, Adam Briesel, and don't forget that you can listen to us on many different podcast platforms, including Apple, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher Radio. And if you have a moment, we would love if you could give us a review. We'd also love for you to grab all of our social media handles by hitting up our website, kellyalexandershow.com. Have an amazing week. You and I will chat soon.